This is State of Sports, Utah, with your hosts, Jake Luchler and Jason Stowell. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to the State of Sports, Utah podcast. We are your hosts, and I am Jake, and I'm here with Jason Stowell. Yo. <laughs> yep, that's right, everybody. We are doing our week season. Uh, we are doing our week seven and eight for the 2022 season. Uh, for specifically talking about uh, Utah BYU. Utah currently ranked number 20 in the nation. BYU uh, uh, currently unranked. Wow. And don't and don't worry, we will get into the whys and why nots. Um, but first, before we go on to week seven and eight, let's talk about weeks five and six shall we kind of a bummer well okay so only the first the only the last half was a bummer uh, I, don't I don't know well okay maybe for you because see for me week five was a great week you know we we hosted oregon state uh, in rice eccles and we gave them a nice little stomping 42 to 16 and i was a little nervous about that game specifically because the week before they gave USC quite a bit of trouble. And, you know, I still hold the fact that they're a good football team. And they could seriously knock some heads going down the stretch of the season. Uh, Utah then rolled into the Rose Bowl in week six. Uh, and then that's where the disappointment started. Uh, we Utah suffered a loss to number 18 UCLA, uh, 42 to 32. And... Um, I gotta, I'll, I'll just say this. It was not a great time for me and my dad to impromptu <laughs> decide, hey, let's go to a road game for like the first time in 10 years. It's all your fault. It is our fault. You know, my dad thinks he's cursed. Any regular season away game that he goes to, he's, he claims they, they lose. Oh, Which, I mean, you know, in the memory of my mind, there's a couple that come to mind that we definitely did not lose. <laughs> but definitely, but I mean, he has a worse track record than either of us would really like. So, <laughs> that so yeah, continues. Well, yeah. So yeah, regular season games probably not the best to take my dad to. I'll I'll uh, I'll reconsider that going forward. From now on, I'll give it another thought. Jason, how did BYU do uh, in this week five and six? So, uh, you did get the win versus Utah State. But that was given. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. Um, for the 10th straight quarterback, we did not come out of that game with a healthy quarterback. And this, this is literally 10, like, it's 10 straight quarterbacks that have played against Utah State and gone on to get injured. Whether that is just rotten luck or something By else, design. I will <laughs> I will leave that uh, open for your interpretation, I guess. But yeah, I mean that's that's why I said it. You know, we get yeah. the win. It's Utah State. We're done with them for so forever before now, you. But... Uh, so before you move on, can I ask how did Jaron get hurt? I actually didn't hear this. Yeah, so he. He took two big hits in the, uh, like the third quarter, okay, uh, and then they 
BYU ended up running almost every play in the fourth quarter because of that, those those hits. And Aaron Roderick specifically said that he had ran, uh, you know, he called run plays like he knew he knew the fans wanted to run up the score, um, but but that he did not want to risk Jaron's health. So Jaron did play the entirety of the game. He just essentially handed off the ball. Exactly, you know, to run out the clock and win the game. Yep, in the fourth, in the fourth okay. quarter. And okay, that, that was he took. It was a late hit, a, a shot to the knees. Oh, um, a okay. Low hit, uh, and and the guy, you know, the the Utah State defender was flagged for, um, uh, roughing. Yeah. Whatever that penalty, low hit on the quarterback penalty, but you can see him turn and intentionally dive with his head and lead to to Jaron's legs. So, just a bummer that that and that that ultimately led to more bummer for BYU because Jaron did not end up practicing the whole week leading up to Notre Dame, and that didn't come out until yesterday or oh maybe okay. two days ago. It just just. Aaron Roderick said that he didn't practice and, and um, you could tell that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't quite right. And I mean, he did throw an interception on the first play of the game. Yep. And that one, that was super weird. I don't know if Gunner was supposed to come back for it or if his, you know, it just, he just literally hadn't been playing with his, with his shoulder and, and knee banged up. Who knows? But, um, you know, you hit you. You have this consistent problem with BYU, like just not showing up for games in the first. Yeah. You know, the first quarter, the first half, um, they they really struggle to um, show up. And I don't know if it's energy. You know, if it's just they need some more hype in the locker room. If if the coaches need to do a better job with you know game planning to have success. Yeah on those those first plays but it's it's become a consistent theme for for BYU's BYU's offense um and well, that's, let's get that's into actually the... something that we can talk about yeah. uh, right now for our our first section is what are areas that BYU and Utah can um fix and kind of regroup refocus for the the back half of the season Especially because time. both teams are now coming off a loss and kind of a mid-season loss. Uh, it's especially going into a home game that's pretty, you know, it's a pretty big game for both teams. Yeah, so, so we're just going to talk about things that we can refocus and think th- areas that we think the teams should uh, be trying to fix. Yep, and we're going to cover offense, defense, and special teams. Um, and so starting off with, with BYU on, on offense, um, when I talk about poor coaching, you, you have this real issue of inconsistent play calling on, on offense where like we're driving, you know, we're, we're making some, some awesome, awesome progress. And then what has been working all of a sudden we go away from it and try something totally different, and um, you end up with a, a you know, a, a three, sorry, four runs on on a with with like five minutes left driving on Notre Dame's side of the field, 
and and Jaron has taken us passing all the way down the field and and we have some really good stuff going and you call a timeout and you run with your speed shift to be shifty back on a fourth and one instead of your power back and and he's 10 yards lined up 10 yards behind the the line to gain and and so inconsistent play calling Arod Aaron Roderick is a brilliant play designer like some of the the, the touchdown in the end zone with Cody Epps um, was like a it was a V route pre-snap motion and it was like it was just beautifully designed and Cody is quick and ran it perfectly so you get these just amazing amazing plays that are designed but the consistency and I guess kind of basically he has poor timing with the play calls that he chooses to run and and that I that I personally believe is what leads to the inconsistency that okay you run the wrong plays sometimes at the wrong time and it stalls the offense you know if you're having success gotcha. keep feeding keep letting your quarterback make the plays let him when he's on a roll finally you know in the second half let him continue to to make some plays so that's that's a big thing and and there have been injuries a bunch on on the offensive side of the ball and that's kind of probably contributed to some of the inconsistency um but really the the coaching staff needs to do a better job with play calling um on defense this this i i will never i i won't ever understand it and maybe it's maybe i'm just the dumb fan and and i don't know the armchair quarterback yeah i don't know um football enough to understand what why they think that this scheme works but I I miss <laughs> I miss the Kalani Sataki that was calling defense for Utah because it was all out full QB pressure all the time at Utah. I was scared yeah. for our quarterbacks when we would play Utah and it's why Utah had like has an 11 to one turnover ratio going into the game last year because, Utah is scary on defense. You hate going up against Utah as a passing quarterback because it's just relentless pressure. And I don't know why we have gone away from that coming to BYU. We have I just I just want them to sack the quarterback. I want them to to contain and and bring down the quarterback. You have nine total sacks on the season. Four of those were against Baylor. And, and and you're basically then, you know, a sack a game, if that. And yeah. so so that's that's just something I would like to see. I'd I'd actually like to see them get to the quarterback, um, drop eight, rush three, whatever. That's a whole whole deeper conversation. But it just was really frustrating to watch him have twenty, you know. Tw- felt like 20 seconds of play to just stand and pick apart BYU's defense by waiting for his tight end to run around until he was open and then throw to him, you know? So, Oh yeah. That Notre Dame made you guys eat it with that, with that tight end. Yep. Brutal. So <laughs> my, my last special teams, um, 
Can can we like call up the the women's soccer team at at BYU? They're awesome. They were in the national championship game last year. Can we get a kicker from from the girls soccer team cuz seriously, I mean it's it's stupid that we're having having to that the kicking like the kicking game is even a topic of pain and and frustration for BYU. It's it's it shouldn't be. It's it's like everybody's least favorite part of of football of talking about football. It's like, "Oh, let's talk about the kicking game. It's so exciting." Um, so that I don't know. They they need to get something figured out. You have you bring in Justin Smith after Jake Oldroyd has just struggled, like missed six out of seven, five out of six field goals, his level is of his last field goals. Um, and so you bring in Justin Smith to kick and he misses an extra point on the first touchdown. Like That was weird. We have Cash Peterman give him a shot. I don't know. That's just it, they've really they've got some issues on in in the special team side of things in in the kicking game immensely missed field goals not kicking out of the end zone not uh, kicking we've had like three penalties I think this season kicking it out of bounds on kickoffs kick kick you know free kick out of bounds pen, bounds penalties so got to be better. You know, it's funny that you mention your special teams and it's the kicking game because I'm actually going to start there with Utah. And this has been something that has just, I mean, I'm going to really try not to get like worked up here because every Cause time I've talked about because every time <laughs> I've gotten worked up, I've talked about it with somebody this week. I have gotten like really worked up about it and like genuinely upset. So I'm going to try and keep it, you know, okay. And even keel, but um, but yeah, Utah's special teams has been just a thorn in our side the last two seasons. Which is I mean, such a flip from how yeah, we exactly. Which is exactly exactly. I mean, heck, our last kicker and our last punter, NFL. yeah, our last kicker and our last punter are are in the league right now. They're they're, they're kicking and punting for the league. So I mean, it's like, how are we not like the second usually? The side of the ball that struggles is typically our offense, you know, whether it's red zone issues or whatever. But we finally, in these last two seasons, have an offense that works. We have, we found our groove. We have an offense that is efficient and powerful. And now our, our, our special teams is just the worst it's been since I can even remember. Last year, it was our punting game. And this year, it's gotten better to the point that we don't notice it right but the, uh, but now it's our kicking team and it's not necessarily that our kickers missed nearly as many you know sh- easy shots as is BYU's kicker but it's just it became overly obvious yeah, it's no longer a strength and it, it just became overtly obvious well what well, in that loss to UCLA every single time we would score you know it would uh, he couldn't kick it to the back of the end zone. It would always land right at the five, and not like the s- systematic five where it slowly where drops to the five. Yeah, where it's intentionally there. going to the five, and it slowly drops. So by the time that they catch the ball in the five, you, your guys are at the t- are at the ten, and going to stop them at the ten. No, what 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 our kicker does is he kicks it to the five really fast, and so by the time 
that he catches the ball on the five. We're still back on we're still back by on the other side of the fifty yard line. So they get the ball in just insanely great positions. Well, and especially and, against like a team like UCLA and and USC this week, you can't exactly do that with against exactly speed. exactly. You, you just can't, can't give speed. them that position, uh, you know, that good field position. And it just it was just I I, I seriously, and I'm already getting way more <laughs> angry about it than I than I said I would. But oh my gosh, it's just that has was a. Just something that has bothered me the last two seasons, but th- this season very specifically, not even just field like like kicking to score points. I just want kickoffs. the kickoffs to be better. I just want them to kick on the kick it through the end zone. You know that that's it. That's it. Okay, moving on, moving on. Uh, let's see it with Utah. I mean, I definitely think. I mean, this might be. Utah's worst defense in like ten years. I'm dead yeah. serious. Yeah, and see, the, so the, there's a pro, there's a reason for that, and that reason for that is frankly just the the youth of our defense. I don't think we've ever really had a defense this young, right? Like we had a young defense last year, but we also had quite a few players that were that had a lot of seniority and had a lot of a skill and had been with the team for many many years. And so they were in the system and they could kind of inspire the rest and show them the ropes, right? I mean, you have a first round pick like Devin Lloyd, you have a skilled player, like skilled players like, um, like Nephi Sewell and, you know, all, and, you know, without these guys there, I mean, frankly, don't go wrong. We have, we still have some very great talent, but you know, it's all, they're all young guys or they're transfer guys well, they haven't been on this team for a very long time. For very, all for a very short amount of time. I mean, heck, one of our starting linebackers is a true freshman this year, and so the the problems that you see on defense this year for Utah and what make it kind of, you know, the would give you these bad performances, or I guess not necessarily bad, but inconsistent, right? Because like against Oregon State, they were lights out, but against uh, you know, teams such as Florida or UCLA, you see them inconsistent. You see them really struggling, and so and it's all just and frankly, it's not because the talent's not there. It's because of the youth. You know, we're this is probably the youngest defense that we've had in a very long time, mm. right? And on offense, honestly, this is definitely I would say our strongest part of the ball, right? Um, but you know, our strongest aspect of the game and so if i'm really having to pick something it's for me i can pick between two different things but if i'm going to pick just one i'm going to say ball protection right uh we haven't had an excess of turnovers this season you know not not an excess but when they have come they have come at in many cases at inopportune time uh the florida game obviously you have that final turnover which ends the game right uh, obviously, that's a very inopportune time uh, in UCLA. Frankly, there were two turnovers, both of which came at very inopportune times. One during the first drive uh, in which we were prompt to score, and the second, which uh, was toward the end of the game and kind of sealed our fate. Yep, I saw that one. Yeah. So this was my my uh, my quick observation on that. I know Utah fans 
like Kim Rising as like the the thick boy, right? That's the yeah. that's the slogan with him. He takes too many hits. I feel like just that's my that's been my observation with their offense. He needs to when you talk about ball protection, it's not just like a lack of turnovers, it's protecting yourself and the football, you know, it's protecting possession and when you I called it. I said as I was watching that UCLA game, he kept getting hit after hit after hit and I said he's going to lose the ball on one of these hits because he just he takes too many hits in in my opinion. And that and that very well could be true. I mean, I definitely see that perspective and uh like I know what at least what everyone says is the reason why he does that and it's just and the reason why everyone says he does that is he's he just gets really competitive and he just he wants to you know he knows he has the ability to take it and run and he, he knows he has the ability to make plays with his legs. And so, you know, when he sees, you know, an opportunity to do it, he will. Right. You just, it's that competitiveness to just keep hanging on and to keep pushing forward, which don't get me wrong has worked out in our favor quite a bit. You know, it, it's, it was a great portion of last year's success. It's been a great portion of this year's success, but you're absolutely right. It's, it, it it always makes me nervous every time Cam runs into a couple guys, or you know, and again he's he's he is the big boy seven, you know he 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 has that muscle and that athleticism to do that, but it, you're definitely right. It, it makes me nervous every time he gets hit, like every time. So, anyways, uh, let let's move on because honestly, this this section has kind of made me it's depressed. Sad. <laughs> it's a sad, yeah, right. But Luckily, we get to talk about our our favorite section now. This is like I was telling my wife earlier today. I was like, "Dude, we're getting listener questions, and it makes the show really fun. Like, it's not just something that we think of and talk about, right? It's coming yeah. from you guys." Exactly. And I just want to say, our last video in which this comment was posted on our YouTube page had the most views. And had the most fan interactions. Now you compared it to all the to a lot of bigger channels. It's not a lot, but it's but we're, but we're improving and we're getting a lot more, uh, a lot more talk, a lot more chatter, a lot more views. So thank you very much, everybody. And this question comes from a listener named uh, Nate Williams, and he says, "Besides, a, a, what team besides yours do you root for? Everyone has a team that you at least keep an occasional eye on." And you wish would do well, even if it's just passively, right? So what would those teams be? And for me, I have three teams in particular. One is Nebraska. I don't know why. May I? Maybe it's just because I think their mascot is so interesting. They're the hus the corn huskers. <laughs> and that is the most Nebraska thing I could possibly think of. Uh, maybe it's their color scheme. You know, very similar to the Utes. Uh, their but fan I, base is like yeah, one of the best fan bases in college football. It, it is like yeah, the honestly, blood of college and football. And I feel bad for them as well. You know, I I feel bad for their fan base, I should say. Mm. I, I wish that like having a passion being part of a passionate fan base, or at least what I feel is a passionate fan base, it sucks when your team doesn't do well, and it sucks when your team doesn't do well consistently. And so Especially uh, when you're showing up to support. It's like they're yeah. a streak of it's like twenty years or thirty years straight of sellouts or something. Yeah. It's they nuts. went. They went. Nebraska and they've sucked. They showed up to a game against Northwestern, a conference opponent this year in Ireland, 
and they showed up by the thousands, the thousands and tens of thousands. They went to a conference game in Ireland. So that just shows you the dedication of the Nebraska fan base. So frankly, I always, um, I always cheer for them. Another one, Baylor. Now this one, I, I can't really explain. Um, I guess a while, a long time ago, uh, I picked just subconsciously an ACC team to, to cheer for and a Big Twelve team to cheer for. This is like five years ago, and Baylor was my one from the well, Big Twelve. Green. We like yeah, green. they're green. They're my favorite shade of green. Yeah. They're not Oregon because, you know, Oregon has ruined that fa- that color for me. For sure. Um, <laughs> but Baylor has redeemed that color for me a little bit. So, um, yeah. And, and maybe I'll feel differently when Utah does their home and away series starting next year with them. Maybe I'll feel differently. You will not. They, mm. they well, I, I, will, I will just say, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. You will okay. not. And uh, and so yeah, that's team number two. And my my final team is actually a new addition this year. Um, and it, it, that's Arizona, so which is so weird because they're a conference <laughs> opponent. And you know, it, but it's so weird. Be, but I guess it's just because last you know the last year and the year before and year before that they struggled a lot. They they have been kicking, you know, they have been the dumping ground of the Pac-12 for oh, years. Man. Last year, they got one win, and it broke like a 20-game losing streak. And and all off-season this year, all season this year, I have had this very passive and very silent cheering for Arizona. I, I, I don't want them – I obviously don't want Utah to lose to them. I mean, I, I really don't. But I, I want them to do well. Honestly, I'm cheering for them to get some upsets and – and maybe even get bowl eligible this year. I don't know, but yeah. So that, that's that, that, this one. That one took me by surprise, that and it's the newest addition to the list. list. Yeah. That is such a random list. I love it. I know, but it's what makes college football fun, right? I mean, oh it's, yeah. So this is this is my this has been my mindset for for years, just because of the position that that BYU has been in for my entire lifetime. I have always rooted for the underdog. It didn't matter who was playing football, basketball, March Madness, you know, an, an, any Saturday game. Every single time I sit down and watch a game, I always want an upset. I always root for the underdog team. It's just it's just fun. I love upsets a ton and that's that's how it's been. But it's been interesting <laughs> as I've as we've joined a conference now, right? As we joined the Big Twelve, I, it, it's uh, it's opened this whole new type of cheering for me, uh, and it happened most noticeably in March Madness, because like I said, every single lower seed, I don't if even if it's an eight nine matchup, right? I want the lesser known teams to win or the lower ranked teams to win, but I was like full on rooting for Kansas, the Kansas freaking Jayhawks in March Madness last year. The team I have hated, I have railed against, I have rooted for 16 seeds to upset all these years, you know? It just, I just, I I wanted them to win, and it was so different and such a crazy new perspective. So new Big 12 teams, any of our new Big 12, not Texas and Oklahoma, any of those, I, I'm pretty I, sure by I now our listeners know what you yeah, mean by yeah, new yeah. Big 12. 
I, I don't think that we need to keep re-explaining I, this. I, I just had to dig them a little <laughs> bit, and they both suck, and, and they're going to get wrecked in the SEC. Anyway, any <laughs> new Big 12 team, except for probably Iowa State. I'm not a big Iowa State guy. I don't like what their fan base did to BYU uh, in this whole realignment stuff five years ago. Don't particularly love Iowa State. Um, and then Jake is gonna, is gonna, I mean, I know he hates this and it's his main reason for hating Oregon, but I love the color green. It is by far my favorite color. Like lime green is, is my favorite color. And ever since I was a kid, I just like Oregon's, I really liked Oregon's uniforms. And so I don't necessarily actively root for them but i follow them every single week to see what uniform they're gonna wear and i feel like they went through a crazy phase right almost every college football team i feel like kind of goes through a crazy phase with uniforms and they had some real wacky stuff like the the oregon mascot uniform where their uniform were the same colors as their mascot with like an orange face mask and feet like their duck like, they, they went through some weird stuff, but I figured uh, they have figured out their look and their, their template, and I just, I just really like following what, what they do, except for the duck poo. Those ones are really weird, those uniforms. Uh, yep, the duck are, poop are uniforms. Weird. But it's just, it's just fun, it's, and that's, that's a big part of, I guess, when I cheer for teams, I like, I like uniforms, and so I like seeing the innovation that teams come up with. Which, shout out to BYU again this week. They, they <laughs> unveiled, finally, white face masks for their uniform set. I've been so excited for that. I think it's a fantastic look that you can add on the white helmets and give kind of the Bills, the NFL team, the Bills look with the white on white. And I think it... it transforms your royal and navy helmets it takes them to like they were already good it takes them to like god tier helmets in college football that white face mask makes that big of a difference so i'm excited i'm excited to see them and just a quick shout out to utah football utah uh has one of their special their special helmet design of the year this week 22 uh, honoring Yep, uh, honoring Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. They look pretty stellar. Uh, and yeah, so... Oh, and blackout this week for Utah as well. Yep. Yep, very excited. Anyways, Jason, why don't we get on to the predictions? Yep. Um, Only three this week, because Utah it, uh, in week eight is on a bye week, actually. So... Only three three predictions, three games to predict this. this. That buy comes at a really good time, too, I think, for yes, Utah. Yes, agreed. You know, oh, um, very much so. Agreed. It would be awesome to get it, get for Utah to get a win um, this weekend. But, you know, if they do happen to fall, getting that bye week after two consecutive losses is it would be big. Um, would be would be nice for Utah. Yeah. So, um, Arkansas is going to be tough. Um Yep, Arkansas they're, at BYU. They get their, they get their quarterback. Um, I th- he's been injured, I believe, so they get him back um, this week. Yeah, and AJ BYU Jefferson has really struggled against the run in, gen- in in most of the games this season. They've kind of struggled against the run, um, and and I don't know dual dual threat running quarterbacks 
against BYU kind of kind of scares me, um, especially when they're as quick and as as good as um, KJ Jefferson, right? Is his name? Um, so so I think it's it's gonna be close, um, but I really do. Th- I just teams. It's hard to play at Lavelle Edwards. It just is. It's hard to play at, at, at that stadium and it's it's a huge become a huge advantage and strength for for BYU. So SEC team, you know, big game trying to preserve your ten win season and 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 you know, the last of the big dogs for really for the season that we talked about them probably splitting two and two. I'm gonna stick with that prediction and I'm gonna I'm gonna say BYU gets it. Uh, 31-28. Um, if we don't have a field goal kicker, then then maybe it'll be a touchdown that we have to win by <laughs> instead of a field oh, goal. Yeah. But that's that's gonna be my prediction. And then uh, USC at Utah. Um, that I don't know. Uh, that US UCLA has surprised me, and so maybe that's maybe I'm over over analyzing that loss because I mean. Maybe UCLA is actually legit and has a you know. To be fair, half their team is our fifth year seniors like this year, like half their team. Yeah. So, I have I have Utah. um, I'm actually gonna adjust this mid episode because I just I've been going back and forth. Um, I'm gonna have I have Utah dropping. This game this weekend, 35-24. I think it'll be decently close, you know, but but I think maybe it's like a, you know, like a a last kind of five-minute drive that they get a field goal on and kind of keep that cushion and get a win. Okay. Um, Which I feel bad about, but again, that just, that UCLA game was, was surprising to me. I mean, I feel like USC is better than UCLA, honestly. But um, BYU at Liberty, it should be a pretty pretty easy win. I think they've dealt with some injuries, and they lost their quarterback, obviously, former Utah quarterback, our good buddy Charlie Brewer. I'll be honest. I, 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 when, when I heard that he was coming to that, uh, to that school, BYU was going to play him again, I, I'll admit, I circled that on my calendar. And then when he promptly got hurt, I uncircled it because now I don't care. <laughs> Fair. It's it's kind of yeah. a snooze. So that's yeah. um, that's my predictions. Obviously, then you have Utah on the bye. So that's my predictions this week. And so for my predictions this week, uh, so at the beginning of the season, I pre- I was the one who brought up the uh, loose to Notre Dame and then out of Baylor, Oregon, and Arkansas, you win, you win two of the three. And I am, I am going to stick with that. Um, and since you already have the one loss, I will be predicting the BYU beats Arkansas. So I'm going to go with, and this is kind of adjusting for you know things that you said. You know, they do have a powerful rushing attack. They are getting KJ Jefferson back, so I think this is going to be a very narrow and close game. I'm going to predict a a 35 to 31 victory for the Cougars. Okay. Very close. High scoring. Uh, and honestly, I think if I'm wrong, it's going to be 
because it's not as high scoring as I'm predicting. You know what? In fact, I'm actually going to change that instead because even I'm doubting myself. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, we keep uh, we keep predicting these huge scoring games and not not yeah. hitting it. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go with 27-20 okay. instead. I'm going to go with similar uh, score to the Notre Dame game. Before. Yeah, exactly. I think that's more along the lines of and how I would, how I would it's... anticipate BYU scoring more this this week. Um, you get Chase Roberts probably back. Um, you yeah. get potentially Miles Davis back, and then you've mm. got um, Jaron has practiced all this week, so he's, yeah. he's well. Nonetheless, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge my bets. I'm gonna say you know. Uh, Arkansas's running attack is going to slow the game down. Mm. I'm going to say that. Known to happen versus BYU, so I like it. Exactly. So I'm going to go. I'm going to keep my 27-20 victory for the Cougars. I should mention too. I I was so mad against the Utah State game because we were a score away from hitting my prediction exactly, exactly, and then then you got the stupid. You get two. completely stupid penalties on BYU. You don't try and score. You just run the ball and then they end up they end up making it not what my prediction was. I was so Well, don't worry. So we'll, we'll just go, go back just go, we'll review our last line of predictions oh, yeah, our next do, episode. Yep. So, yeah, we we'll do that every couple of episodes and we'll do it our next episode as yep. well. Just had um, to get that in because I forgot yeah. to mention it. And then after that, the next time we'll do it, it will be in our postseason show. So, um, which is so weird to think we're actually that far in the season already. But <laughs> anyways, it's still early I, October. We're good. We're good. We, we're still mid October. That's true. Okay. So, anyways, anyways, um, going back to my predictions, uh, Utah, USC at Utah. This is good. This is a big game. But don't get me wrong. After the loss, it definitely feels less of a big game. It definitely feels smaller, right? But it's still a very important game to the team in that if you want to compete and you still want to, you know, go to the conference championship and have a shot at the Rose Bowl, you need to win this game. Yeah. We will, the Utes will not get into the, into the conference championship in the way it's structured now with two uh, conference losses. It you will still not have a good shot with which with exactly. We still have UCLA, a UCLA. Yeah, exactly. UCLA. Honestly, I think they'll get a they'll at least get one loss, maybe two. You never know. Um, I th- I don't think they'll run the table. Don't get me wrong; they were much better than I anticipated, and I think you. Honestly, I think that was our the trap game. I think we overlooked them, and they treated us like the Super Bowl, and so. Um, and so I'm going to say the Utes bounce back and I think USC because of our loss to UCLA because we fall in the, fell so far in the polls they're going to overlook us We're no lo- I think that loss to UCLA really kind of kicked us out of the spot of the main team that everyone's hunting I, and don't get me wrong we're still the reigning champs so People will still have their eyes on us, but I think USC, in in their pride and in their uh, in their self flattery, are going to miss us, and we're going to be their trap game. Plus, they're coming to Rice Eccles, and I'm going to stick with my the youth will not lose at Rice Eccles this season. You know, it's a very tough place to play, and you know, 
our fan base, I think, will be motivated enough to be there, be there early, and be very loud. So I'm going to predict uh, a similar score to what you did, Jason, but I'm going to go with uh, 35, and I'm going to, and then you know, I'm going to take my score from my original score from the uh, Arkansas game. I'm going to go 35, 31. Hmm. I think both teams are going to score above 30 points. I think with USC and their high-powered offense, it's going to happen. And I think with our high-powered offense, it's also going to happen. But I think, again, they're going to overlook us. They're going to make mistakes. Clark Phillips is going to capitalize them on them. You know, we have the number one rated. Uh, he's the number one rated corner in the nation. Uh, he has the most uh, interceptions tied in the nation. And I think him versus Jordan Addison is going to be the matchup of the, of the, of the year. And, and so we, we, I mean, we find out if Oregon is legit, like we predicted at the beginning of the season, like most predicted. We find out in this game if UCLA is legit or not. And this, this was a crazy list. The trans when when we're talking, and I think we should spend maybe just a smidge more time on this Utah UC, USC game. But when you look at the transfer portal for USC. This is this is who they got this offseason. So you have Oregon's leading pass rusher, or sorry, leading passer. You have a, or sorry, blah, blah, blah. I'm mixing up two players. You have the leading passer from Oklahoma. Caleb Williams. The leading rusher from Oregon. Travis Dye. Second leading rusher from Stanford. You have the leading wide receiver from Pitt. You have the second-leading wide receiver from Oklahoma. You have the third-leading wide receiver from Colorado. You have the yep. leading tacker, tackler from ASU. The second-leading tackler from Alabama. The leader in interceptions from Colorado. And Oklahoma's head coach. So it was a They bought themselves a very nice team. Offense, uh, uh, yep. uh, uh, offseason for USC and with all that talent can do they actually have it can they put yeah. does the transfer portal to that extreme work for a team and we get to find out yeah no absolutely um and like i said this is going to be a very big test for Utah's young defense um i uh, trust me after last week i, I i'm pretty nervous when it comes to USC's offense versus our young defense. But honestly, our, our defense in most scenarios this season have stepped up to the plate. I genuinely think that last last week, uh, we overlooked them. Not necessarily so much that we weren't, you know, prepared for them, but we were we'll not. Looking, we didn't, not, yeah, we not were, necessarily overlooking UCLA, but looking towards a USC showdown. Exactly. And I also think, like I said, they treated us like the Super Bowl. You know, they hadn't beaten us in a long time, in, in, in six years. Uh, they hadn't, you know, DTR, who's been there forever, hadn't beaten us at all. And so they wanted that win more than we did. And I think that's kind of a scenario that you're going to see in reverse, I think. At least that's my prediction, is we're going to want it more. We, and I think it's a similar it's a similar theme, too, with, with playing – Playing in, in the state of Utah is tough. We make it tough. Yeah. So credit to both fan bases for 
Well, just credit to the state because, I mean, hey, we don't have a lot to do here. And so (laughs) we show up to our college football games, man. I mean, look, you go to California and there's a lot of things to catch your attention. There's a lot of things to do on a Saturday. But in Utah, you know, on a Saturday night, there's a lot of people look at themselves and say, hey, I there's nothing I'd rather do than go to a college football game. And 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 most of us go and we don't get drunk and we don't get high. We are like a hundred percent invested when we yep. show up to get football games. That's true. That was the funniest comment I heard from a from a Baylor fan was like, "You guys just show up like this and you're all sober." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yep. we're freaking that's... dedicated, man. Yeah, yep that that's true. So credit. If you're listening and you're a fan that goes to games, good job. Yep. Anyways, so to wrap this up pretty quickly, uh, last prediction, uh, BYU at Liberty, the game I, I almost cared about because uh, I, I wanted to see Charlie Brewer get his face smashed in the turf again. Um, but I, I think this will be a no-brainer. I think you, you guys will go up. Honestly, I'm going to go 28-3. to um, I'm, I'm just going to yeah do total slaughter. In fact, you know what? No, I'm going to do 28 to 10. That's not so close. high. 28 uh, 10? Okay. This is how I see it going down 28 to 10, in that BYU goes up 28 points. And then midway through the third quarter, you know. You know I'll we, say we, this U- USF, we were up massive, and they did not pull Jaron. Well, pull regardless. Jaren. I think this is a game for like going to the Big Twelve. Like you've got to, you've got to get run your up the score. Quarterback some opportunities to play. Yeah, I hope and, it's for for my sake. I hope it's not twenty eight ten. I would I would about about die that that. Like Conover I said, I think you guys are gonna go up really. Reps. You're gonna get, uh, you're gonna go up really early, and then you're gonna you know pull your starters, and then that and. That's how they, you know, they get ten points in garbage time. That that that's that's my guess. Sticking with it. Yep, sticking with it. And you know what? Not ten. I'm gonna go seven. Twenty-eight, seven. I'm gonna go with that. I, I the offense. I mean, I would I would be that would be such a disappointing offensive showing. I would be so sad. Well, thanks, thanks, guys, again for for listening. Um, thanks for for your participation. It makes the show a lot of fun. I, yeah, I love these questions. Absolutely, keep them, keep them coming. Um, we'll we'll get to them, at, you know, as best yep. we can. And just to remember, make sure you comment those questions on our YouTube channel, State of Sports Utah. Yep. Um. But yeah, thanks, thanks for your participation and. Hopefully, hopefully this is a good, you know, a good couple weeks for for both teams, and we look forward to talking with y'all in the next one. So, in the meantime, thanks for listening. This has been State of Sports Utah with Jason and Jake signing off. Thank you for listening to this State of Sports Utah production. SFX technical support provided by Samantha Knight.